The chimes of time ring out the news Another day is through Someone slipped and fell Was that someone you? You may have longed for added strength Your courage to renew Do not be disheartened I have news for you It is no secret What God can do What he's done for others He'll do for you With arms wide open He'll pardon you It is no secret What God can do There is no night for in his light you'll never walk alone Always feel at home Wherever you may roam There is no power can conquer you While God is on your side Just take him at his promise Don't run away Welcome to worship, worship with Southport Salvation Army, a church where everyone's welcome, we're all on a journey, and change really happens. I'm keeping an eye on all the messages this week, so send your hellos or tell us where you are watching from this morning. I'm looking forward to reading them all. Coming, coming up today, we have music from our choir and band, as well as he hearing from Brian about what's happening with caroling this year. It, it's felt like a really long year and I've spent lots of the time sat at the dining room table with my school books. I'm really excited that Christmas is finally coming, but we're not there yet. Last week, my mum, Alison, talked about the prophet, the prophet, my, prophet Micah, and today my dad continues the theme but looking at the prophet Isaiah. If you receive out, Outlook, there are also some questions at the end of the message to think about this week. So as we continue, let us sing together, to God be the glory. Welcome to, welcome to our church gathering.
Well, thank you to Maddie for welcoming us into worship this morning. The way that she did there and how well she did, she'll be challenging Mike and Alison for doing that every week moving forward. But no, well done, Maddie. There's just a few announcements that I'd like to share with you today before we carry on with our worship. Our silent auction fundraiser is going really well. We've still got lots of lots. There's still opportunity. So please put your bids in, send them in to us, and let's see what we can raise through that, that event. The homemade fudge. The orders are coming in. It's £2 a bag. If you'd like some in time for Christmas, please again let us know, and Julia would be more than happy to, to make your bag and again allow us to raise some money for our community work. The prayer in a bauble. Again, let us know if you'd like your, your name, your message, your prayer on the bauble. They can go onto our Christmas tree and then there's a keepsake to, to take forward to, to future years. Something a little bit different to maybe try and remember the positive side of, of this year from. Our Christmas cards. Rather than sending lots of individual ones to people, why don't you send one to our church family? We'll put the messages in our Outlook. The messages can go on Facebook. And everyone can just share and be, be encouraged from, from your message this year for something a little bit different. And then to top it all, we're being very adventurous. We'd want as many of you as possible to join in and become part of our massed O Come All Ye Faithful. There's going to be information on Facebook. There's going to be a backing track. We want you to sing along, record yourself singing. The details on how to do it are in the face, on Facebook. They're in the Outlook. And then the idea being that it's come towards the end of December, we'll be able to put that on screen. Everyone that we can can then share and be part of singing as a big church family. Oh, come all ye faithful. Please have a look at the Outlook, though. There's a lot more information besides what I've just announced this morning in there. So have a look online. If you've got your copy, read it. And just, just pray for everything that's happening as, for us as a church at this time. I'd also ask you to pray for... There's a, n- a number of people that just need to be upheld at this time. So please remember in your prayers, Colin Lightfoot, Neil McKinnon, Dorothy and Phil, David Hayes, Jean Schindler, Pascal Moore, Carol Banks and her sister Sue, who both really need our prayers at this time. And also Jean Sutton is far from well, so please remember her in your prayers this week. Please also remember Pat Jackson, who used to be our cleaner, and whose husband recently passed away. And I'd also ask if you know of anybody else that just needs to be upheld, please let us know so we can put it into the magazine, but also so that we can announce it on a Sunday morning so collectively we can just pray for everyone that just needs our support at this time. And as we continue with our service, we're going to move into a time of prayer. So I'd ask you to to remember the people that I've just mentioned. If there's other people that you know of, please remember them too. And as we listen to a beautiful song that's called Our Only Hope, so please remember and pray for what you, what you know needs our prayers at this time. So as we continue with our worship now this morning, I'd thank you for listening and invite you to join us in prayer. Shall we pray? Our mouths were open, grace 
Father, we thank you and praise you that we can join together in worship today, no matter where we find ourselves. As we draw near to you, you draw near to us. 
We praise you because we can have confidence in your faithfulness, in your almighty power and in your divine limitless grace. You are our hope. You are our truth. You bring restoration and healing and forgiveness and we love you. We delight in your ways. Father, as Matt reminded us this morning, we pray for those who need to know your presence with them this morning. Draw close to them. We pray for those who have never known your presence in their lives. May they come to know you during this season of Advent. God, I pray for this nation. May we be the generation that sees revival. May we be the ones that see a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit across this land. May we be ready and willing to be part of a new thing in building your kingdom. Father, I pray that today we can sing and say with confidence to God, be the glory, a saviour is mine. May we know that your power is almighty, that your grace is divine, and that your grace has overcome this world. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Michael right now. Thank you. Good morning. It's lovely to see you. Uh, as you can see, I got sacked from the welcome, but it's just nice that I've been given a little opportunity to take part in the meeting this morning. And I'm going to have a socially distanced chat with our very special guest this morning, which is Brian Johnson. Brian will be familiar to uh, many of you, maybe not to everybody. Brian is a retired head teacher. Apparently, he's a Southport football club fan. He doesn't mention it often, but apparently that's the case. A walking footballer uh, of some pedigree, husband of the lovely Denise, and passionate about all things brass band. So Brian, I hope it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas in the Johnson household, but it's going to be a, a different kind of Christmas for you. And certainly uh, as the bandmaster, normally you would find yourself very busy throughout the year, but particularly in the run-up uh, at the end of November and coming into mm -hmm. Christmas. So why don't you tell us what the band's been up to recently? Well, fortunately, just before lockdown, we were able to get... Uh some groups, we had six groups going out in uh, a, a group of six people uh, to play to some of the members of our core who've not been able to get out. So that enabled the bandsmen uh, and members of the band to find their instruments after a few months. Uh, and that was uh, met very positively because we were able to encourage people and, uh, and uh, those people that we went to, they contacted neighbours and there were lots of people yeah. who, who came and said how much they appreciated uh, the band going out. So that was a start. Um, one but, question. Um, yeah. Which of those bands was the best one, Brian? Um, that's very difficult. Uh, they, they, they all did really There's well. There's one that comes to mind. It's just that I wondered if you well, felt the same way. Well, yeah. There was one that went out in the rain. I think you were in that <laughs> yeah, one, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose they might win the cup. Thank you very much. Yeah, good yeah, yeah, Good answer. Yeah. yeah, but that was good to get out there. But unfortunately, you can't do that at the moment. Yeah. But we're looking forward to possibly doing something um, in December. 
Yes, yeah, so just waiting to see what the government says, but we've, we've taken the opportunity when we have to get out in the community. And it's not only been people from our own congregation who've no. really been touched by it, but many others yeah. have, have come to the doors. And that's right, um, and that's, that's been wonderful. So, um, so in preparation for Christmas, we've had another two groups doing recordings. Yeah. Uh, so we've done some recordings inside here uh, at the hall, ready. Uh, again, just a small group of six players. Um, but we're looking forward to trying to get out um, at Christmas in whatever form that may take. Usually we go down to Chapel Street. That might still be an option, yeah. so uh, that could be one way. Um, we might be able to get out uh, into the streets again. Um, we've contacted some of the supermarkets to see if we could play outside there while people are waiting to go in. And somebody came up with an idea, I don't know who it might have been, about Dial a Carol. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good one. So, like so yeah. Um, we might even be able to have a, um, a group here uh, ready for uh, members of the general public to dial in with their favourite carol, and uh, we would uh, give them a, a quick yeah, rendition absolutely. of a couple of verses. And that, I can't take the credit for that one. That was actually Claire who came up with the idea of bringing the Salvation Army live into your lounge. Yeah. That would be great. So that's yeah. something we can look at yeah. as well. So that would be great because uh, we know that a lot of people look forward to hearing the Salvation Army Band at Christmas. Yeah. And it's all about trying to, at this time particularly, bringing them some encouragement, some hope, and uh, bringing them that message of, of hope that is Christ coming into the world Absolutely. at Christmas. Absolutely. And we want to be a church which is a community in the community Absolutely. for the community. And so with the message is... We're doing everything we can to make that happen this year within the constraints. Absolutely, yes. Great. Well, yeah. thanks for everything you're doing and also to the members of the band and all the other people who are contributing, whether it be via music, going around people's houses, putting things through the doors, whatever it is you're doing to keep this sense of community going and to extend that community into the community, let's keep it going throughout Christmas and see what we can do within the current constraints. Thanks, Brian. Okay. Well, as, as we have done for a number of weeks now, we're going to catch a glimpse of what's been going on uh, for various people in our congregation, connected to our congregation, as we have our regular feature, Life in Lockdown.
This morning's Bible reading is taken from Luke, uh, from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the home of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in distress have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. Here will be no end. He will reign in David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from the, this time on forever. And the role of the Lord Mighty will accomplish this. The second reading is for Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 5. As for you, you were died for our transgressions and... in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. And it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, 
Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And finally, we have Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Thanks to Brian for that Bible reading and uh, also for the, the bonus verses that Brian gave us, which I clearly didn't give to the person who set them up on the auto queue. So apologies that they weren't on the screen as well. The year 2020 will be remembered for many things. The global coronavirus pandemic, Southampton Football Club topping the Premier League and the US presidential election, to name but three notable happenings. While the year's ending on quite a hopeful note with regard to the vaccine, as a number of vaccines are showing very encouraging testing results, the saga of the US election continues to rumble on, with the incumbent president simply refusing to concede defeat, as he continues to claim that his opponent stole victory from his clutches. Much could and will no doubt be said about the presidency of Donald J. Trump, Whatever positive qualities he may possess, many will sadly remember him as somebody who prompted headlines that were unsavoury and divisive. The 45th president had the uncanny ability of attracting negative headlines, of dismissing stories he disagreed with as fake news, and of generating breaking news according to his own sense of altered reality. Never before has what is true, reliable, and trustworthy been subjected to such intense scrutiny. This morning, as we prepare our hearts and minds for the season of Advent, we are returning to Isaiah chapter 9 in the Old Testament, a well-known passage that Alison touched upon last week. And in this passage, we encounter perhaps the greatest headline in all of history. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. That's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. 
And if we're going to take this passage, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, seriously and not simply dismiss that headline as fake news, then we need to acknowledge its power to change lives and situations. There are two particular phrases in verse 1 that set the tone for what follows. In the past and in the future. Something, says the prophet Isaiah, is going to change between how it was and how it's going to be. It's a change that, as far as Isaiah's readers were concerned, would have implications for them then and there in the coming days. As the prophet predicted, a brighter, better future for God's people. But it's also a change that has implications for us today in the 21st century, because this new story is of timeless significance. In a world dominated by bad news and fake news, this good news story is worth unpacking and sharing. What does it say to us in 21st century United Kingdom? Well, let's go back to the life of Judah first. In the life of Judah, there was a problem. The people's walk didn't match their talk, and Alison spoke about that last week. This is what J.N. Oswald writes in his commentary on the book of Isaiah. Choosing their own way rather than God's way, the nation has plunged itself into darkness. But that is not where God intends to leave them. In fact, in the very areas where they've been attacked in the past, there God promises that the light will dawn. The people of Israel have done nothing to deserve this. It is nothing but God's grace. You know, you could lift that passage from the time it was written and publish it today, and it wouldn't be out of place. A nation that's gone its own way, a nation in disarray, a nation in need of the light of the dawn of God's grace at the end of a long night of darkness. That could describe us too. In Isaiah chapter 9 and in the two preceding chapters, there are three references to a birth of a child. First we have chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. It's a verse to which Matthew refers directly in his gospel in the New Testament in relation to the birth of Jesus. But it was also intended at the time as a sign that Judah could trust God when faced with external threats. Likewise, chapter 8, verse 3 refers to the birth of a child and here... The birth serves as a sign that misplaced trust in anyone but God was going to result in disaster for Judah. And now in verse, nine, in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9, we read this. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. Now that particular verse again may have found its more immediate fulfilment in the birth of King Hezekiah, who did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 3. But just as each birth reference had immediate significance, as I've explained, we can also look back on words of prophecy and recognise clear prophetic implications with each verse pointing to something in the future which would have a sense of ultimate fulfilment. And certainly, as far as the New Testament writers were concerned, the words of Isaiah chapter 9 in particular would find their ultimate fulfilment in the coming of Jesus Christ. Now... The grammar buffs among you will have spotted something interesting in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's written in the present tense and not the future tense. So why is that? 
Well, according to Professor Alistair McGrath, Isaiah uses a literary device sometimes referred to as the prophetic perfect, by which an event which has yet to happen is spoken of as if it has already come to pass. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given. Southampton Football Club are league champions. Hallelujah! Do you see what I did there? The speaker regards these events as as good as done. Such is his confidence. So much so that he writes about them in the present tense. And as we think about this passage and its relevance for us today, we can be equally confident that what Isaiah prophesies is already a reality. So perhaps the question we need to ask ourselves today is this. Are we living in this new reality? The reality that the Christ child has come.
So the reality is that the Christ child has come. We can talk about that in the present tense. Emmanuel, God is with us. What difference does that make to me and to you? The New Testament contains various images that depict the profound change in a person's life when they encounter Jesus. Let me give you some examples. They move from death to life, John 5, 24, 1 John 3, 14. They go from death to resurrection, Romans chapter 6. They experience new birth, new birth John 3, verse 3. They're new creations, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. These are all powerful images that depict in graphic terms the objective change that occurs when Christ Jesus comes into a person's life and makes a radical change. And in this passage, Isaiah chapter 9, we find three similarly powerful images. Images that demonstrate not only the truth of who Jesus is, but also the change that he can bring to a person's life. And this is the first image found in verse 2, where we read that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so we recognise the image of moving from darkness to light. You know, the further north you travel in the British Isles, the greater the contrast between light and darkness. When you reach those wonderful isles to the north of John O'Groats, the long, light days of summer can seem but a distant hope as the darkness seems to almost physically envelop you and weigh you down. Is it possible, perhaps, to walk through life with the darkness weighing down on you? Maybe that could be actually not so much a physical thing, but a spiritual thing. Maybe it's an emotional thing, or maybe even a relational thing. It could be circumstantial. Whatever it is, the darkness is real. The darkness is heavy. And maybe if that's you today, you need to be reminded of these words from John chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. In him, Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Or maybe these words from John chapter 8, verse 12, spoken by Jesus, will be of some help to you today. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Did you spot that word, whoever? Whoever, that's me. That's you. That's my friends who aren't Christians. That's your neighbours, your relatives who've never considered Jesus. There's a promise there for all of us. When we trust in Jesus, when we follow him, we do not walk in darkness anymore. And we can then echo the words of Psalm 27 verse 1 which says, the Lord is my light and salvation whom shall I fear? There's also a second image that I want to share today and it's found in chapter 9 verse 4 which says this, for as in the day of Midian's defeat you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Our second image is this, it's the move from bondage to liberation. And in this particular verse, we're reminded of how the Midianites were defeated by the Israelites, led by Gideon, against all the odds. It was remarkable. And you can read all about it in Judges chapter 7 and 8. But oppression is not confined to biblical history. Think about a place like Colditz Castle, a symbol of the impression imposed on many by Nazi Germany, where so many prisoners of war were held. We know how hard people tried to escape from that place. I grew up on stories of escapes from Colditz Castle. It was glamorised, but it wasn't really that way, I'm sure. 
being held in prison, being held in bondage must be a terrible existence. We can only imagine what it must be like to be finally set free. Think about the victims of human trafficking that we prayed about a few weeks ago. Think about the persecuted Christians we prayed for last week. Being held in captivity is still a present reality. But captivity isn't only physical. Perhaps some of us know what it means to be held captive to harmful thoughts, harmful attitudes and patterns of behaviour. Maybe somebody watching today is in that place right now and you simply do not know how to move on. You are not enslaved or encapsulated or locked up physically, but you're surely enslaved in another way and you can't move on. Maybe today it might help you to think about Jesus' words, which he spoke in Luke 4, in which he quotes the words from Isaiah chapter 61. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Isaiah was talking about Jesus, in whom those words would be fulfilled. Because in Jesus we can experience freedom from the attitudes and habits and thoughts that sometimes imprison us. As we read in John chapter 8, verse 36, if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. And there's one more powerful image in this passage which I want to share today. And it's found in verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. This is the third image. From chaos to kingdom. Back in the days before Israel had a human king, the Bible says that everyone did as they saw fit. You can read all about it in the book of Judges. Life in the nation was a mess. It was utter chaos. And then the people decided suddenly they needed a king, even though they'd been warned that it wasn't such a good idea. But even when they had a king, the picture was largely one of disobedience to God. They had a human king, but they weren't living in God's kingdom. They had simply not learnt to put their trust in God, and the result was chaos. And likewise, it's possible for us to put our trust in other things and other people. It's possible for us to put our trust in money, in status, in property, in power, in anything that claims our allegiance and which would seek to draw us away from trust in God. And the result is always some form of chaos. In Philippians chapter 2, we're told that everyone will one day bow their knee before Christ Jesus. And maybe this Advent, it's time for us all, yes, even those of us who call ourselves Christians, to look again at our lives, to examine those areas where there's more chaos than kingdom, and to commit or recommit ourselves to Christ Jesus, the King. The late Lieutenant Colonel Colin Fairclough put it perfectly, I think, when he wrote these words in one of his songs. All my life, thou wilt control, calmly ordering the whole, that the world may ever see Christ in me. That's what happens when you begin to move from chaos to the kingdom of God in your life. This is what one commentator has written about our passage from Isaiah chapter 9. 
The good news is that the God who is with us is a God who wants to turn our darkness into light, our conflict into peace, our loss into abundance, our despair into joy. God has a passionate desire to do good to all people. If a God like that is with us, this is good news to all eternity. But of course, good news is only really good news when it speaks to the bad news. So I want to ask today, what difference will this good news make to my life? What difference will this good news make to your life this time tomorrow? Alison asked last week, but I'm going to ask again today, in what ways might you find yourself living in partial or total darkness at the moment? What would a step into the light mean or look like for you? What parts of your life does Jesus need to shine his light into? In what ways might we find ourselves living in bondage? In what ways are we imprisoned by thoughts, attitudes, behaviours? What might liberation mean or look like and how do we get there? What steps do we need to take? And thirdly, in what ways might we find ourselves missing out on the reality of God's kingdom and settling for something lesser, something chaotic? What might it mean for me and for you to acknowledge the kingship of God this Christmas? What steps do you need to take for these things to become a reality in your life, in my life, in our life? The late General John Gowans posed this question in one of his songs. We wonder why Christ came into the world, a helpless, homeless child. We wonder why he tolerated men, the tainted and defiled. We wonder why. We wonder why the Son of God as man came down. What does this signify? Well, Isaiah chapter 9, I think, helps to answer the question. The coming of Christ into the world signifies that the news of God's gracious love has broken. Jesus, who is light, brings light where there was darkness. Jesus, who is freedom personified, brings liberation where there was bondage. Jesus, the King who is the way, the truth and the life, brings life into his kingdom where there was only chaos when we lived on our own terms. And so as we enter this season of Advent, let's do so with our eyes wide open to the breaking news. God does not leave us as we are. We can all be changed and renewed by the power of his love. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Fact.
Well, as we approach this season of Advent, can I just end with a benediction and a, a prayer for us all, which says, God, be in my head and in my understanding. God, be in my eyes and in my looking. God, be in my mouth and in my speaking. God, be in my heart and in my thinking. God, be at my end and at my departing. And my prayer is that each one of us, this time, will know the presence and love and grace of our Lord God Almighty. Amen, and God bless you. Just want to say thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, this has been our pre-Advent season, and next week we enter the season of Advent for real. And I pray that these last two weeks will have helped us prepare our hearts and minds for the light who has come into the world. So all that remains for us to say this morning is thank you for joining us. God bless you and see you this time next week. Goodbye. Send us out in the power of your spirit to shine your light in the way we live. Send us out in the power of your spirit as we've received, may we freely give. Send us out, send us out, send us out for your